in today's show, we look ahead to Friday. Yeah, there's a lot of games on. There's 13 of them, but there's stuff that we need to pay attention to. We're going to talk about upcoming days. We're going to talk about what we're watching for. We're going to talk about injury updates, and we're going to talk to Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. There are 13 games on, so get your streaming ideas out of your head to a degree. Look at your roster. That's the number one thing you got to do before taking in this information. Look at your roster. Do you have guys that might be sitting? Do you have guys that you can drop? Because there are going to be players that are on your wire who might actually crack your best 10 players. But is that upgrade worth it? Is it worth burning an ad when you could use it Saturday? I don't know. That's what you need to look at. How do your active roster spots step up? Is the upgrade from your 10th guy to someone on the waiver wire actually worth it? Does your league go into next week? All of these things are going to frame your decisions in terms of who you're able to add or if you add anyone or what you do with anything that's going on in this ridiculous time of the season where there are so many teams not caring and sitting guys and preparing for playoffs or preparing for the lottery. That's what happens at this time of the year with, what is it, 10 days to go in the regular season. So, Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> There are 13 games on. We're not going to do our usual streaming. Hey, stream this guy in today. These are our stream lists. No point. What we are going to talk about is what we need to pay attention to in these games because things might pop up. Again, it is all very, very individual about what your team needs, what your situation is, and whether that upgrade is significantly worth it for you or not. The Bulls and the Hornets. The Bulls have nearly every, nearly every team has two more games this week. The only team that doesn't, I believe, is Boston. They have one more game. And that's, they've got two, which includes Thursday. But I'm recording this talking about as if Thursday's games are done, which they are not. But they have one more game on Friday, and that's it for them for the week. Everyone else, two more games for the week. Um, and then next week, reminder, no games on Monday. But most teams play four games because you've got so many jam-packed days next week as well. That's important to know. So many jam-packed. In fact, I might as well just talk about what... That is now in terms of the schedule. There's zero games Monday. We'll do a weekly preview show on the weekend. 13 on Tuesday, 8 on Wednesday, 5 on Thursday, 11 on Friday, 3 on Saturday, and 15 on Sunday. Yeah, 15. So there's some weird, weird days coming up next week uh, as well. Bulls-Hornets, two games this week, four games next week for the Bulls, two for the Hornets this week, three for the Hornets next week. So on the Charlotte side of things, we got updates and it doesn't actually help us. It doesn't help us. What we do know, right? One thing I do know is this this is the turn for Kai Jones to be out. So it'll be Mark Williams and Nick Richards splitting the center minutes and Kai Jones will sit. Terry Rogier's officially been ruled out. I feel pretty good that uh, that Rogier's season's done. I, I feel like he is not returning. I don't know that for sure, but I feel that he is not returning. 
I would say the same for Gordon Haywood. He's officially listed doubtful with a thumb sprain. Never saw this injury happen, and he's he's missed Tuesday. He will miss Friday as well. I would expect that Haywood is done for the season. The confusing one is Kelly Oubre, who left the game last Thursday, 23rd of March, with a shoulder issue, which seemed, as um, uh, Elaine would say, fake, 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 fake. He missed Friday's game. He missed Sunday's game. He missed Tuesday's game. And he's officially listed questionable for Friday's game. But... He was listed questionable on Tuesday as well, and then ruled out. I think they are shenaniganizing. Not a real word. I'm making it one. They're shenaniganizing like they did with Rogier earlier in the season, like they did with Cody Martin, like they did with Mark Williams, like they did with all of these injury situations. I really don't think Ubre is going to play, but they are listing him as questionable. We've got another one of those to piss on about later on. Piss on? That's not the right word. I don't know why I said that. Um, with Indiana. Um, but Ubre is officially questionable. I don't think he's going to play, so I'm going to approach this as if he's not. On the bull side of things, Alex Caruso, he is going to be listed on the injury report as questionable every game. I'm pretty sure that foot problem is, is a real issue. Well, Andre Drummond um, is questionable for personal reasons, and Javante Green's personable for per, personable. He's questionable with a knee issue that has plagued him for months as well. If Caruso is out, then we're really looking at what Kobe White can do. White has played no fewer than 26 minutes in the last five games, and he's dipped under 26 minutes once in the last seven games, and that was a game that he got hurt and went to the locker room. So he's playing good minutes. He scores, he hits threes, he's getting some assists. His steals can be okay. He's actually a better option at the moment than Patrick Williams, than Alex Caruso, than Desumu, and probably Patrick Beverly. And if it was a day where there wasn't 13 games, we'd look at him. If Drummond misses, Derek Jones Jr. gets solid minutes. In fact, Jones has been getting some strong minutes anyway, playing like 20 minutes a night with guys sort of in and out, like Javante Greens and those sort of players. So he's at least a deeper league guy. On the Hornets, I didn't mention this, and I'll talk about it now. Dennis Smith Jr. was a late scratch, and he's questionable with a toe issue. I don't have any sort of thoughts as to whether he is in or out. But what we do want to watch is if he is out, then we want to watch the Salt Fleek, Phil Maladon. Teo was great last game. The four blocks came out of nowhere, but he played 39 minutes. So if we do get an inkling that Smith is out, Maladon might be one of those players that you would start on a 13-game day because the boost is going to be insane. One guy who is available, who definitely will fit into your best players and would be an upgrade over your 10th guy, is Mark Williams. Oh, hi, Mark. Probably, unless they play him 22 minutes and Richard's 26. But Williams is back, and he will start the next two games for the Hornets, and I think probably plays 26 to 30 minutes in those two games. That might be enough for you to care. Hmm. Raptors sixes. Raptors two games this week, four next week. Sixes two games this week, four next week. These teams, the majority of them, apart from the Clippers, the ones that play two games this week, play Friday and Sunday, 13-game days. The outs at the moment for this, this game, nobody. The Sixers have a completely clean injury report. The Raptors have a few guys on there. They've got the Barton-Banton combo, as well as Gaz Trent, who's questionable. Now, that's the big one. Or Joe Wieskamp, also questionable. If Barton, or it's not Barton, I don't care if Barton's out. If Trent is out, then we do look at more minutes for Boucher. We probably, unfortunately, look at more minutes for Barton. Hopefully, we look at more, more minutes for Doughton and more minutes for Achua. Precious was great. Last game, 25 minutes. Of course, he played six the game prior to that. His game log is wild. 25, 6, injured, injured, 23, 0, 14, 8. So if you feel any level of confidence in Precious Achua, you should not. 
if Trent is out, I'd be okay with Boucher. I wouldn't feel that good about Precious. And then you go to Jakob Pertl, whose minutes have been down, but it's largely foul trouble. He hasn't hit 30 in each of the last three games. There's been some blowout situations there, like a 21-point win against the Pistons. But usually it's foul trouble. I don't think we're getting 33 out of him, but he should push back to the high 20s in minutes. For the Sixers, last game, we got a really big night from George Niang. That's not reliable. He's a three-point streamer, but he was good in that game. And then watching what they do, does Shake Milton play? Because Shake played zero minutes last game, and they gave 33 minutes to DeAnthony Melton despite coming off the bench. Is that the new thing? Is that how they're going to run it? Because that makes Melton a startable player on a 13-game day. 30 minutes off the bench makes him a startable player. But to get there, we had to take the 20 minutes that Shake Milton was getting and get rid of him. So is that the route that old not a Dr. Rivers is going to go? Well, we will find out. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangel, the tournament. We are getting so close. The final four is here, and there's no better place to get in on the action than Fangel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, Fangel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You go to fangel.com slash locked on. You can sign up today, and you can claim your no-sweat first bet. And then you can wager on everything from the money line, point spreads, and even bet the overall winner of both the men's and women's NCAA tournament. They've even got NIT odds up here. Is this the final NIT? UAB versus North Texas? Wow. Not sure people are caring about that one. But it is up there over on Fangio. Let's have a look at some more March Madness odds here. SDSU is a two and a half point favorite against Florida Atlantic. UConn five and a half over Miami. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, what about the women's? The Carol- South Carolina, 11.5 point favorites against Iowa. Wow. And LSU, one and a half point favorites against Virginia Tech. So there are your odds over there on the FanDuel app, which is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. And don't forget to gamble responsibly, of course. Um, the mystical matchup. The Wizards. The Magic. Um... Well, it's actually in Washington. I just said the Magic last so I could play the song last. Magic out, Wizards. Both teams go two and four. Two games this week, four games next week. Kuzma's out. Season done. Not confirmed. Season's done. Bradley Beal's out. Not confirmed. Season's done. Daniel Gafford is questionable with a foot issue that cost him last game. So that's one to watch. Because Gafford would probably be startable if he played. And if he is out, then you get a big boost to Avdia, Kispert, Wright, Morris. Um, on the Magic side of things, nobody injured for them apart from Kavon Harris. What we do want to see with them is Jalen Suggs, who's been a wild roller coaster. 24 minutes in each of the last two games, and the production couldn't have been more different. It's almost impossible to trust him in terms of playing him on a day like this. We wouldn't be looking at him. Cole Anthony might sneak in as a startable guy, but I'm not sure. And the other one we want to watch is Goga. Problem with my Gogo Mobile. Gogo Mobile. No, not the dark. Not a duck. He played over Mo Wagner last game, but Wagner had played more minutes for the three games prior to that. But he really got them back into that game against the Grizzlies. We'll see whether they give him minutes. This doesn't really matter that much until we get to next week. But it is important to watch how the minutes get split. Well, for the Wizards, Dillon Wright probably is startable if Gafford is out in particular, especially when you're looking for steals. But I want to see how he goes, what the minutes look like with him and Goodwin and Monte Morris. And then also John Davis, who... 23 minutes last game, 30 the game before that, 23, two games before that. 
uh, going up from playing zero minutes at all. There is going to be a time next week where I am telling you, you know what? You maybe can stream in Johnny Davis. He's a good rebounding guard. I don't think he's a very good player. This is the time of year where bad players can put up good numbers. And I just want to see what they're prioritizing with Johnny, who played more minutes than Jordan Goodwin in each of the last two games despite being a worse player at this point in their career, but he is getting the minutes over him. And that sort of trend is always the thing that we want to watch. This next game is pretty annoying. It's the Thunder and the Pacers. Both of these teams go two games this week, three games next week. Um, what we do know is that Shea Gildas-Alexander is out again for the Thunder. He's sat the last two games. They lost to the Pistons. They, they lost to the Hornets, beat the Pistons, and now they've got another tanking team in the Pacers. Lindy Waters has also been ruled out. But when I created this graphic, both Shea and Lindy were questionable. On the um, Pacers side of things, Buddy Heald is not on the injury report, nor is Aaron Neesmith. They were in doubt for me. They were somewhat questionable, but they are going to play. Now, we heard a quote from Rick Carlisle saying, yeah, there's a chance that Halliburton and Turner don't play again this season. Halliburton's ruled out. To me, that would suggest that he is done. But they've listed Miles Turner as questionable. And they've listed him questionable with ankle soreness. Initially, it was a back problem. When you see these ups and downs injuries, it makes me go, okay, what are, what are we doing? But the questionable tag, again, makes it frustrating. Because what do we do now with Smith and Jackson? Why they would play him, I have no idea. They need to lose to get into the fifth or sixth spot and to have the magic jump ahead of them. They want that spot. They want the hope that the Blazers slip up. There's not. The Blazers have no chance of winning. But they want to push into six or five in terms of odds. Probably six instead of seven. And definitely don't want to get to eight. So I don't think Turner's going to play, but I don't know. They've officially listed questionable despite what his comments were, Carlos' comments were earlier today. Duarte also, I think he's done for the season. There's almost no way in my mind that, um, that Chris Duarte is going to play again after multiple uh, ankle injuries this season. He's just not going to be out there. On the Thunder, we saw big minutes from Pig Williams last game. Is that something that's going to be able to stick? 32, but the game before that, he played 18. So again, we just don't know. Same as like Aaron Wiggins, who played 32 minutes against the Pistons and played 12 and 8 the games before that. He's not reliable. The rotation's not reliable. What is reliable is that Isaiah Joe's probably going to top 30 minutes. 32 and 33 the last two games. He was great against the Hornets. He struggled against the Pistons. But this is a huge opportunity again for Joe as a starting player to drop in 20 points, to hit five threes, to maybe get two steals. I think that that is startable on this day. And with the chances that Shea might sit on Sunday against the Suns, although I reckon they get him back for that, Joe will still get 25 minutes. He might be useful as an ad. On the Pacers side of things, I, again, Halliburton, I think, is cooked. And I think they're going to limit TJ McConnell's playing time a little bit too, meaning Andrew Nempard and Benedict Matherin are going to get big, big opportunities to play big, big minutes. We've seen Matherin play some huge minutes actually recently and played 41 and 38 the last two nights. And I think we're going to get some pretty big playing time moving forward. Now, healed returning complicates things a little bit, but we'll see what happens there. But Nempard and Nwora uh, are options to stream in. And then you've got the Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith conundrum, and then what happens if Miles Turner returns? I think Jackson is the better option, but Smith was better last game. Jackson usually is better, and they've basically split the minutes between those two down the middle both games. But I think Jackson is worth an ad. Uh, again, the Turner situation complicates it somewhat. The Knicks and the Cavs. Both these teams, two games this week, three games next week. And then we got the news today, which is probably the news that people who have this guy did not want to hear, but it was absolutely always coming. And that's Julius Randle.
who now has an ankle sprain and will miss the rest of the regular season. He hadn't missed a single game all season, and now he will miss the uh, end of the regular season. And there are a lot of people out there who are like, man, I have to draft this guy. He never misses games. Um, that's great. But now, honestly, if you're in the playoffs, then you're losing him at the wrong time of the year because you know what you can't do? Predict when someone sprains their ankle. And you also know what happened last season. Julius Randle missed, um, what did he, he miss? Eight of the final 11 games last season as well through an injury. He, he missed them. Right? There was maybe a little bit of fakeness in that, but the narrative that Randall just plays through everything is bullshit. He also played five minutes in his rookie season because he broke his leg because injuries happen to everybody. Now, Tom Thibodeau obviously pumps a ton of minutes into it. I'm not, not this ankle injury. I'm not suggesting it's anything to do with Tibbs at all, but injuries can happen at any point. It's great that Randall's able to play so much this season, but now you get this sticking you over. Um, Jarrett Allen is doubtful for the Cavs. Okoro is out. Danny Green is out. Hull Neto is questionable. So what the question is going to be is, do we add Obi Toppin? And theoretically, he will replace Randall. He put up good numbers at the end of last season. But yesterday's game was not good. He barely played. And the problem is the schedule. Will you start Obi Toppin on Friday? Probably, probably not. Will you start him on Saturday? Probably not. Is he worth an ad then? Probably not. And again, only three games next week. That's not worth it. The guys that I'd be more interested in is making sure I've got Emmanuel quickly because I would start him. Um, Josh Hart probably gets a boost. I would start him. And the other one that becomes interesting is Quentin Grimes, who was one the player who really stepped up with Randall out last game. This briefcase and this haircut. I guess it helps that Jared Allen is out. They don't have to go as big in the front court because it'll be Lamar Stevens playing at Power Ford. So I think we might see more RJ Barrett play there. And Grimes might be a pickup. He scored 20 points in like three straight games or four straight games maybe now. So he could be an ad as well. But again, is he going to start for you? For the Cavs, I do want to watch Dracaris Levert. Dracaris. Because when he starts and plays next to Garland and Mitchell, there's just not enough there for him. Don Mitchell did hurt his ankle last game, but he is listed uh, probable for this game. So we're expecting that he is ready to go. Actually, he's not even on the injury report, so he is fine and ready to go. I also want to watch the Koala, Eucalyptus Ev, Evan Mobley, because he's putting up some unbelievable numbers. This is more just watching his evolution as a player, watching his production when he plays at center when Mobley's, uh, when Allen's not there, and trying to get, get a gauge of how we view him in Dynasty Leagues. I think we view him almost as a top 20, top 15, probably top 15 prospect. In Dynasty, I'd love to talk to guys like Matty Lawson and Rhett and Jason, um, three of the best Dynasty guys out there, about their valuation of Mobley, but I, that's sort of where I see him fitting. Um, the Hawks and the Nets, two and four this week and next week for both of these teams. In terms of injuries, DeAndre Hunter has popped up for Atlanta uh, as questionable with, what's he got, a knee problem. Jalen Johnson's hamstring is being upgraded to questionable, so he probably gets some minutes in this one. And then on Brooklyn, Dayron Sharp is probable. On the Hawks, we want to watch Anyeka Okongwu, who continues to produce ridiculous numbers in low minutes. He hasn't gone over 20 minutes in six consecutive games, so far be it from me to tell you that he's going to go and get over it here, because he probably won't. But the numbers have been insane. Is it likely that we can rely upon a bloke in 19 minutes to continue to produce that much? Probably not. His field goal percentage is up. His free throw percentage is up. His free throw rate is up. His block rate's up. His rebound rate's up. Everything's up. Usage is up. But it, it's very, very key to watch. And then if Hunter misses, Bogdan Bogdanovich will be probably the big, bigger beneficiary playing 30-plus minutes, not Sadiq Bay, who they just really haven't ramped up at all over the last two, three weeks. For the Nets, Cam Johnson had been struggling, but he was really good last game. So we'll see what Cam is able to provide for us here. Just watching again how he sits, because he's been under 26 minutes for three straight games and then played 36 last game. 
And then there's the Basmati man, Royce O'Neal, who's getting 25, 26 minutes. Initially, when they brought all the new players and he'd played 22 and he wasn't useful. Now he's more of a streamer guy, but with Friday, Sunday on our minds, we're not using him there. The Jazz and the Celtics. Boston is on a back-to-back, as I mentioned. The Jazz have two more games this week and four next week. The Celtics, one game this week and four next week. The Jazz, well, let's talk about Boston. We don't know what their situation is for today, which influences, um, ooh, interesting, influences tomorrow. What we do know is that Al Horford and Rob Williams and Grant Williams are all playing today. So that means against the Jazz on Friday that Al Horford and Rob Williams are out. I would guess, unless they're playing the back-to-back, which would seem ridiculous. They're going against the Bucks and they're sitting against a tanking Jazz. So there you go. We've got that update there. Peyton Pritchard, also questionable. Um, he's questionable still for Thursday's game. And on the Jazz side of things, um, we know Sexton's out. Season over, surely. We know Clarkson's out. Season over. Just go watch some games. J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. Rudy Gay's out. Doubt that he plays. But then the other interesting one is Larry Markinen, who has gone out 33 minutes, out, out 36 minutes, out, out. Is he done for the year? I think there's a distinct chance of it. In fact, that's probably how I'm going to view him moving forward here, that he's done for the year, but I don't know that. But they listed Kelly Olynyk as questionable. Now, he missed last game due to an illness. I don't know how many more of these games Olynyk is going to play, but he does have an impact on what we do here because last game in his first appearance for the Jazz, Luka Sharmanich played 25 minutes. Now, he's actually really bad, but that's what they want. They want players to help them lose. And Sharmanich, uh, Fontecchio, Johnny Jujang, um, playing Damian Jones and Yudurka as a BUK together will get you to lose games. So we want to watch all of that stuff. Like is Sharmanich, they if Linux out, is Sharmanich going to play 30 minutes a night? It's possible. Toscano Anderson's in that mix as well. So how all those minutes get distributed will be something to watch. Now, you're not going to start any of them on Friday, but it'll be interesting leading into next week to see how the minutes go between Toscano Anderson, Sharmanich, Fontecchio, Jujang. We, we know that Abaji's going to get him. Actually, we don't. They might actually ramp him down. Same with Kessler. We know Horton Tucker's going to get a ton. We know T- Dunn's going to get a ton. Um, and then we see how everything else plays out. For the Celtics, with the likelihood that Williams and Horford are out, Sam Hauser, Mike Muscala, Blake Griffin, you might even see Tatum rest. You might see more from Brogdon. He might sit. There might be a wholesale bunch of rests here for the Celtics, especially, I think, if they lose to Milwaukee because then they can't really catch them. And then you might see a lot of guys out. So just be aware. Would any of them be streamworthy? Maybe Muscala. You might start him. You probably won't, though. But there are a ton of center minutes for Mascala, Griffin, Cornette, and even Hauser to get on Friday with the likelihood that Al and Rob both sit. The Lakers and the Wolves. Two games this week for both teams. The Lakers play four next week. The Wolves play three. We know for the Lakers that Mo Bumba will remain out, while for Minnesota, a bunch of those ill guys, we don't know their return. Torian Prince, Austin Rivers, um, Matt Ryan all sat last game due to illness. There was illness issues with Kyle Anderson and Anthony Edwards as well, but they were able to play through it. Um, So we'll see if anything else crops up with those guys. And the other one is Jalen Noel, whose knee continues to be a bother for him, making it very hard to rely upon him. For the Lakers, I do want to watch Austin Reeves, who continues to start and play well next to LeBron. They limited Malik Beasley and Dennis Schroeder so that Reeves could continue his role. And that is a key part. And he probably is startable, even though LeBron is back. And then I also want to watch Malik Beasley because he played 10 minutes last game. He's completely in his own head. He can't do anything positive at the moment, even though two games ago he played 28 minutes. But at this point, 
point. We just can't rely upon anything that he does, especially in this sort of reserve role. For the Wolves, I do want to watch Kyle Anderson, and if he gets 30 minutes with Towns back, he did last game, but was that because Prince was out, or are they just going to feed Anderson 30 a night? I think they'd be smart to feed Anderson 30 a night, because he's basically their backup four, backup three, and backup point guard, but we'll see what they do. And then also Nazareth, no, Nazareth Reed, the Wizard of Noz, Nas Reed, he's been playing a lot of minutes. They are leaning into playing two centers. He did hurt his wrist last game, trying to throw down a huge dunk. So we will see whether that impacts him or whether he's able to go or or what the story is there with Nas. Um, But he's, again, if it hadn't been a stupid 13-game day, Nas would be a startable player on a 10 or a 9-game day, I would think. On a 13, he probably isn't but he is worth looking at. The Pistons-Rockets, this is going to be disgusting. The Pistons, Pistons, two games this week, four next week. The Rockets, two games this week, three next week. We know, we expect that Jason Tate's going to be out. We expect that Boyan Bogdanovich is going to be out. We expect that Alec Burks is going to be out. I also expect that Rocket Rodney Magruder is going to be out. Rocket, 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 we can't think. We can't think. Sorry, come, on, come on, come on, come on. I also think that Killian Hayes will be out. He sprained his ankle or hurt his leg towards the end of last game against the Thunder. There hasn't been an update yet, but again, they want to lose. The Rockets also want to lose. Does Killian Hayes help you win or lose? I guess that's debatable. But the other option is Corey Joseph or Buddy Bayheim or Jared Roden. Not particularly strong options there. The Pistons are one and a half games ahead of the Rockets. If they lose this game, the Pistons, they basically can't be caught in terms of having the number one overall um, lottery odds. So they will want to lose. So I think that they'll be giving a lot of minutes to a lot of bad players. What does that mean, though, for the rotation? Does that mean that Jalen Duran plays fewer minutes than James Wiseman? Probably. That would have what I would do if I was trying to lose. So I'd be really cautious about starting Duran. But what I would be interested in, if Killian Hayes gets ruled out, they will give a lot of minutes to RJ Hampton. And he's bad, but he might rack up some numbers. Startable? Probably not. But something to watch. For the Rockets, Tari Eason's minutes went down last game, even with Tate gone. The Rockets have not been sitting anybody or limiting minutes of anybody. This might be the game they do it because if they could lose this one, it's massive. It brings them half a game closer to the Pistons. They still probably can't catch them. But I don't think they're going to shenaniganize it. So Eason, 25 minutes might be worth it. But with the uncertainty, is he even startable? I don't know. I don't think so. And then there's Jalen Green, the Filipino legend, who continues to be frustrating with his inefficiency and lack of ability to contribute across the board. I am very much down on this guy as a prospect, although next year is going to be the real telling year. Year three is the big year. But he hasn't really shown me anything to get excited about outside of a couple of minor flashes. Clippers and Grizzlies. We just saw this game and we're seeing it again. Steve Adams will be out. Paul George will be out. Marcus Morris will be out. This is the first of a back-to-back for the Clippers. We don't know the status of Kawhi Leonard. He sat last game due to a personal reason. You're going to assume that he was going to sit one of these Friday-Saturday games, um, but that's not even a guarantee. He might actually end up playing both, but we don't know that. Well, for the Grizzlies, they rested everybody that wasn't Ja Morant last game. No Bane, no Jackson. Um, um, and those guys will all be back. I'm guessing, unless they're just going to be periodically resting guys all the way through here. Tyus Jones also sat last game. So we'll see what they're able to do. We also heard Taylor Jenkins say, we want to start getting our guys into playoff minute zone. So instead of 31 for, for Jar and 34 Jaron and 31 for Bain, they might all play 34-35 to get into the minute load that they'll get in the playoffs. So that's something to watch. For the Clippers, the five-minute man, Bones Highland. We heard old mate... Um, Ty Lue say he wants a nine-man rotation. That means he has to choose between Bob Covington and Bones Highland. 
as to which guy plays. Or he goes back and plays 10 guys. Because if Kawhi plays, there's 10 guys. Leonard, Westbrook, Batum, Gordon, Mann, Zubats, Powell, Plumlee, Covington, Highland. That's 10 guys. And if they're going to go nine, one of those players has to miss out. So we want to see what Highland or Covington can do. Is one of them excised from the rotation? Highland's been really strong. Covington was amazing last game. But my reliability on them is really low because I don't know what he's going to do. For the Grizzlies, I want to see the role of Luke Kennard. I want to see whether this top 40 run is real. It's not, but I want to see if he's able to at least provide three-point streaming. Probably not a startable guy. But Xavier T. Ilman is. Because he's played 30 minutes in three consecutive games. They've been great. Are they actually leaning on him 30 a night? Because he was going at really low numbers prior to that. I feel better about relying upon him now. But this might be a matchup where if they go small with Batum or Covington at center, that Tillman's not out there. And they run Roddy and Jackson at center with Aldama a little bit more. That's possible. So we need to watch that. Speaking of disgusting, which I was earlier on, it's Kings and Blazers time again. Shout out to the Kings making the playoffs. Well done. They now play the Blazers for the second time in a row. Their next game after this is the Spurs. So to say it's a pretty easy run, not a shock. Would they sit somebody? Could Fox or Sabonis get a day off here? Between playing the Blazers, Blazers, Spurs, three games in a row, there's a real chance for rest for some of these players. So watch that one. Lillard will be out. Simons will be out, Nurkic will be out, Grant will be out, and Keon Johnson will be out with a broken finger. I don't know whether Trenton Watford will be out. I think he might be. While Cam Reddish was upgraded to available last game and didn't play at all, I think his back might rule him out for the season, but they won't tell us that. And the other one is Archer Jackano, who didn't play a single second despite being allegedly healthy. On the King side of things, it's watching the Herder, Murray, Monk playing time situation, and I think we're going to get it a little bit confused again because it is going to be a 50-point win probably or a 30-point win or something crazy. So watching like this Herder risky to start, probably. Is Monk risky to start? Absolutely. And given the uncertainty in role and minutes that the starters are going to play. I've got a name there that you might not have heard in a while. You might not have heard ever. LSU legend Skylar Mays, who was signed to a 10-day contract by the Blazers. He wasn't available last game, but he is available now. And with Archer Jackano out of the plans, with Keon Johnson injured, Mays is going to play. He's going to have to play and probably play 20 minutes, especially if Reddish isn't good to go or Watford isn't good to go. He, he, Him and Kevin Knox could really benefit playing 30 a night. Knox especially 30 a night. Mays maybe 25. But they could be options. I don't think you'd want to start them, but there is a big opportunity to see what they do with Watford and Reddish and Archer Jackano to see how Mays and Knox perform. Let's go to another disgusting team, the San Antonio Spurs and the Golden State Warriors. The Spurs go two and four this week, next week. The Warriors go two and three. We know that Wiggins is out. Well, for the Spurs, we don't know. We have no idea. You've got to put risk on it. There's got to be at least minimum three guys out. Um, Vassell Johnson uh, and Sohan all missed last game. I think they're definitely at risk here. So is Zach Collins. So is Trey Jones. So is Devontae Graham. So is Doug McDermott. So is Romeo Langford. Some guys are going to be in. Some guys are going to be out. Now, if... Zach Collins is out. Mama Kulishvili is a startable player. If Johnson and Vassell and Sohan are out, Bates Diop probably is a startable player. Guys like Branham and Wesley and Champagne probably aren't, but in deeper leagues, they might be. And I do want to watch Blake Wesley because I think he's got something in him. 
He's a very he's a bad finisher, but he's a good pick and roll guy. He's a decent passer. I think there is some ability in him. So just watching him continue to get minutes and play is at least an interesting thing. And then Sandro as well, who's actually even in a reserve role, been producing at a 12-team level, might be startable. For the Warriors, they started Johnny Kaminga last game over Kavon Looney. Are they going to go back to that route? He played 31 minutes, Kaminga, after combining for 31 the two previous games. So relying on him is obviously impossible. But there is something to watch in terms of how they play him. While I am out on Dante DiVincenzo as a 12-team guy, he hasn't hit more than 25 minutes since the 17th of March. And that trend doesn't seem to be going his way. So I don't think you need to worry about him. Kaminga's the one who might be sneaking in there. The next game to look at, which is the last game, it is the Nuggets and the Suns. The Nuggets are on a back-to-back here. They play three more games this week. They're the only team that... Oh, mate, hang on, did I screw that up? I think I did screw that up. They don't play three more games. I am wrong. They played two more games because I'm not counting Thursday. So they played two games this week and then Thursday. At four next week, the Suns go two and four. The Nuggets are on a back-to-back. Um, I said Wiggins is out. That doesn't apply because he's not a player here. What we do need to watch on Denver is Nikola Jokic. He's questionable for Thursday. There is a chance he sits one of these games with their seating pretty much wrapped up. So just watch if he plays on Thursday. Maybe he sits Friday. And then on the Suns, nobody is on the injury report at all. On the Nuggets, obviously, if Jokic is out, we're watching the Najee Bryant situation, but we won't really get a hint of that because if Jokic sits Thursday, I expect that he plays Friday. On the Suns, Josh Okogie's minutes pushed up with Kevin Durant out. They need that defense around him, and Okogie played pretty well. I wouldn't want to rely upon him, and he definitely wouldn't be startable with 13 games on, but watching his role and how that compares to Terrence Ross, how that compares to Torrey Craig will be something to watch. And interestingly, Landry Shamit got DMP'd last game. So he was the guy that got kicked out of the rotation when Durant returned. Campaign is also playing better. A bit frustrated he only played 13 minutes. I would like to see him next to Chris Paul a bit more because he's one of the players who actually takes threes on this team. Um, But watching his role and how they use him next to Paul, especially with Shamit gone, will be something to watch. Injury replacement options for tomorrow. If Dennis Smith is out, we go to Maladon. If Caruso is out, it's Kobe White or Pat Williams. If Gaz Tren is out, it's Boucher the Nachua. If Gafford is out, we go to Wright and Kispert. If Gildas Alexander is out, which he is, it's Isaiah Joe and then maybe Aaron Wiggins. If Heald and Neesmith are out, which they're not, we go to Nwora, but they're not out, so it doesn't matter. If DeAndre Hunter is out, we go to Bogdanovich. If Kelly Linick is out, we do go to Sharmanich or Toscano Anderson. If Kawhi is out, we go to Bones and then Eric Gordon or Rob Covington. If Trenton Watford is out, we go to Kevin Knox. If some Spurs are out, we go to other Spurs. I just don't know who's in or out. Uh, And if Jokic is out on Friday, I think we go Najee, then Bryant. I think Najee would start over Bryant. Low-volume games. Well, over the next four days, there's only one low-volume day. That's Saturday. Over the next five days, there's only one low-volume day, and that's Saturday. That's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Monday's a low-volume day. Zero games. Doesn't count. So even if we stretch out out the five days between Friday to Tuesday, there is one streaming day, and that is Saturday. One. So what you're doing there in terms of ads, you've got to be really, really cautious about making ads that actually are usable for you. If we look at the next four days, which I'm including five days because it's four game days because it's zero on Monday, there's a bunch of guys, a bunch of players play three games. Shaden Sharp. Yeah, he is startable on the high volumes. Marvin Bagley, I thought he was, but I don't know anymore. uh, Xavier Tillman, three games. Yeah, he's probably startable. Drew Eubanks, three games. He's probably startable. Kevon Looney, three games. Borderline. Denny Avdia, three games, startable. DeLon Wright, three games, borderline. Matisse Thibel, three games, borderline. In category leagues, points leagues, definitely not. And then we look at some upcoming chunks. There's no team playing three games in four nights because Monday is the fourth night there. There's no team playing four games in five nights. 
There are a bunch of teams playing four games in six. It's the Nets, Lakers, Pistons, Bulls, Kings, Grizzlies, Wizards, Raptors, Hawks. No one plays five in seven, but then a lot of teams play five games in the next eight nights. Detroit, Brooklyn, Phoenix, Sacramento, the Lakers, the Bulls, the Wizards, the Grizzlies, the Sixers, the Raptors, the Magic, and the Hawks. And looking at some of those teams, the Suns there, for example, the Grizzlies there, the Sixers there, teams that are good that might be locked into seedings with a high load of five games and eight nights, there might be some rests coming up for those guys across that time frame. And that is a 13-game preview for Friday. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.